Hey everybody, Dave Riesinger here. Thank you for tuning in. Let's jump right into what we have today. Um, I believe that this is going to be a great year of refreshing, a time where the Lord is going to bring a new, active, living, fresh, effective, fruitful faith to our lives. And uh, we are really believing that 2001, 2021, excuse, excuse me, I went in the time machine there. <laughs> Uh, 2021 is going to be a year of new beginnings, and that's what we're praying over Redeemed Church. It's what we're praying for you, um, that God is a God of new beginnings. And so this is going to be an awesome, awesome year, as long as we live according to the script and the scripture that God put in our lap, put in our hearts, and empowers by His Spirit. And so with Jesus as our foundation and as our cornerstone, um, we're building on him this year, right? So we're not building based on our best idea for our life. Uh, we're not building based on um, some secular principles. We have everything we need for life and godliness found in the word of God, which is truth. So we do so by what? We follow his example. Jesus is our example. I don't know if you've ever imitated someone. I don't know if when you were growing up, you had like a, a hero or a celebrity that you looked up to. Some of y'all dress like Cindy Lauper. Um, girls just want to have fun. Um, I, I saw when uh, my son, when Justin Bieber, the early Justin Bieber days, uh, the Bieber cuts were every, everywhere. Any kid who wanted to be cool had that uh, kind of floppy Justin Bieber haircut. We've all done it to some degree or another. I don't know, uh, I know I'm aging myself a little bit, but how many had the Thriller Michael Jackson jacket? Come on, that red and black leather with the V, it looked like you were uh, from the future. I admit um, this white boy had a Thriller Michael Jackson jacket, but I never rocked the one white glove, the sparkle glove. Uh, let me just, this is a fact. I, I actually saw two or three grown men where I grew up um, grown men that rocked the one glove. And even as a youngster, I was like, come on dog, you are way too old to be wearing one Michael Jackson glove. You got a wife and kids at home, man. Like what is going on? But we imitate, don't we? I remember uh, just uh, Michael Jordan, remember that commercial? If I could be like Mike and it, you know, everybody wanted to play like Michael Jordan. You know, we'd be out on the basketball court or I played in leagues and and at my school and you'd see kids going in for a lay-in and when they drive through the lane and they're going up for that lay-in, what happens? They stick their tongue out because Michael Jordan stuck his tongue out. They imitated him thinking that my game is going to go from bummy to balling just because I stick my tongue out. What you need to do is imitate his practice and his, his, his regimen and how hard he worked out. But I did the same thing. My dude wasn't Michael Jordan. I was a Portland Trailblazer fan. Can I get an amen for all my P-Town, PDX, Thorn City people? Um, back in the day where there was Terry Porter and Clyde Drexler and Jerome Kersey, that was my squad growing up. But uh, I remember Jerome Kersey had this just wicked like looping uh, finger roll. He'd come through the lane and bring it low and then swoop around a guy and bring it high. So I would spend hours practicing this shot, imitating Clyde. And uh, I was getting pretty good at it. And one day, high school basketball, um, there's probably about seven seconds left in, in the half. And I stole this, uh, this pass. And it's just me. There's no one behind me. It gets down to five, four, three seconds. And I come in with this looping, like, laying. And I channeled the spirit of Clyde the Glide. And uh, 
full house and it's just going to be amazing. People are going to cheer. And I go up to the front of the room and I literally airballed a lay-in. How do you airball a finger roll? And my coach was so mad that he benched me um, for the third quarter, which I still have bitterness about. So Coach Calhoun, um, I'm going to forgive you one day. Uh, or it was Dominique Wilkins, right? He was the most creative, flashy, violent dunker in the league. And so what did I do? I emulated it. I would, I would go up and do that double pump behind the head dunk, of course, on eight-foot hoops at Lot Whitcomb Elementary. Uh, but we do this. Now, imitation, it gets knocked a lot. Oh, you know, it's imitation crab meat. Or when it comes to people, don't imitate people. Be yourself. And that's true. And we shouldn't imitate to a certain degree. We want to be authentically us. God didn't call us to be anybody else. But what does the Bible say about being imitators? What does the Bible talk about in regard to mimicking somebody else or something else? Well, the Bible actually, when it comes to how we live and maybe how we approach this new year's, this new year, maybe the Lord is going to give a blessing to us if we could learn to be imitators. And here's what I mean by that. Here's what the Bible says. Yes, be you. Yes, uh, you're not in competition with anyone else. You're in competition with your own capacity and the full version of you that you're supposed to be. But at the same time, here's what scripture says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, you are to imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And then in Ephesians 5.1, it says, be imitators of God Therefore, as beloved children, I won't read them all, but it's seven times that the Bible in the New Testament tells us to be imitators. This word imitate means it's this Greek word mimites. It's where we get the word mimic. So we are called to mimic. We are called to imitate. It, it, this word means to be a follower. Um, it's the positive imitation that arises from admiring the pattern set by someone worthy of emulation. And so when it comes to Redeem Church in 2021, the core missional focus of Redeem was born out of imitating the ministry priorities and the heart we see in Jesus. So as we begin this new season, this new year, this new beginning, with all of the potential, the adventure, the work, the challenges, right, the opportunities, and, and, and God's call that lie before us, we want to do so by reminding ourselves and refreshing our memory on the four distinct values that we will emulate or imitate this next year. Number one is bold engagement. Maybe you've heard these before, but we believe that what we see in Jesus is what we should be walking in in our own life. And that is a life of bold engagement. And so we might say it this way, in an hour of history, Marked largely by passive Christianity, we will be a people of bold engagement. Jesus set this example for us. We see it in the very incarnation. How did Jesus set it in the incarnation? We see that Jesus boldly engaged the problem of sin, the, the redemption of man, the destruction of Satan, and the restoration of all that was lost by Adam. He boldly engaged the problem. He he came the distance we couldn't come. He left heaven and he came down and he became one of us. He wronged uh, or he made right what was wronged uh, toward the father. 
he overthrew the enemy and he gave us new life and empowered us by his spirit. When we look at what Jesus did and how he served, I mean, think about this. We've never, I, I never, when I held my children uh, in, the, in, in my arms when they were born in the hospital room or at home, I never looked at my kid and thought to myself, man, I hope my son will be last. I, I, I wish my son be a servant of everybody else. You know, I hope my son is the least, right? And, and we have to understand that in context, right? But this is the kingdom priority. Jesus actually boldly engaged us by serving us, by washing our feet, by preparing a table for us, by taking upon himself the sin and the punishment that we deserve. He boldly engaged our healing in our restoration. And so in the same way, we're called to do this in our life. And this bold engagement, when we move out of mediocrity and we move out of a weak and passive Christianity, and we say, wait a minute, man, I am not, Jesus said, pick up your cross, carry your cross and follow me. That's, that's not a passive instruction. That, 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 that takes some courage. That takes some commitment. And so we start, what does it look like for you and I? Um, it starts by boldly engaging the, the abiding life in Jesus Christ. You know that everything truly important in life, it begins with and it is empowered by and sustained through quality and consistent closeness with Jesus. You know that if we just get that right, then the labor, the serving that sometimes feels like a chore and feels like a religious obligation and we feel guilty when we don't do it, when we do it from a place of loving the Lord, it becomes a labor that is fueled by a passion that He gives us, right? Instead of guilty obligation, when I say, you know what, God, I'm going to boldly engage 2021 by making my highest priority, my time with you, my time worshiping you, my time in the word. I don't want it to be into the category of chores or checklists, but I want it to be a living, fresh commitment to a relationship where I get to know you and experience you through contact experience, not just through head knowledge, but through experiencing relationship with God. And all of a sudden, we find that our life is more fueled, it's more inspired, and it's more moved by the Spirit of the living God that activates and moves us forward from the inside out versus a spirit of condemnation or obligation. And so if we're going to see God really move in 2021 and bring forth the promise of new beginnings, then we need to boldly engage in the abiding life in Christ. And the last thing I'll say about this is that this is when, this is when our work is fueled by worship and our labor is fueled by our love for the one who loved us first. And out of this, number two is, in bold engagement, is we are boldly engaging our ministry to one another and our mission to a deaf and dying world. And the other three uh, values tie perfectly into this. So we're going to engage God and we're going to boldly engage loving, serving one another, and going on mission to people. And this is where we kind of dive into this. So number two then is bilingual faith. This is what we see modeled in Jesus. Um, this is uh, a, an ability to have our hearts in heaven and our feet on earth. 
And so we decide that we will be a people who are deeply spiritual, yet real and practical. We want to be conduits um, for God to use us to connect heaven to earth, right? And so we see this picture, Jacob in Genesis 28, there's this vision or dream that he has of this ladder coming down from heaven. And all of a sudden, there's this ladder connecting heaven and earth. And you see the angels moving up and down on this ladder. Well, we wouldn't understand what that really meant until Jesus talks about the fulfillment of it himself in John 151. Jesus points back to this ladder that any Jew would have remembered in, in his reading and, and learning growing up. And he says of himself, he added, very, very, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is teaching us here that he is the ladder that connects heaven and earth. And, and in the same way that Jesus Christ, he was divine, he was the word of God, he is the word of God, but he put on human flesh. Jesus, who is perfect and holy, he is God. He was God from the beginning. He wanted to redeem mankind, so you know what he did? He moved into the neighborhood and he connected with man and he learned, he, he already knew it, but he spoke our language. He felt our pain. He entered our plight. He felt our temptations. He entered our world so that we could experience his world. I hope this makes sense. And this is a ministry that truly makes impact. This is a ministry that can bring a new beginning to so many people's lives. And here's why, because bilingual faith for us, you know what it looks like? It looks like believers who love Jesus, who long for heaven, but are practical and real. And we, we dive in to express Jesus Christ and our devotion for Christ by diving into the brokenness of man, right? And so this is what it looks like. Jesus Christ, he comes, and where the Pharisees spoke the language of heaven, they knew the law, they knew the Torah, they knew the prophets, they could speak the language, they knew the right things to say, and many of them did the right things, but they couldn't connect with prostitutes and sinners and those who were broken, who couldn't find their way to God. They were missing something, they spoke heaven's language, but they didn't speak the language of earth. And here comes Jesus. He was the language of heaven. And yet at the same time, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. He's called a friend of sinners. He was so approachable that even it was lepers that touched him and children who sat on his lap and, and, and prostitutes that he ministered to that others wanted to stone. And if we'll be a people who love God deeply, but our Christianity and our expression of faith isn't weird, that we love like a good shepherd. A shepherd smells like sheep, right? So we dive into the mess enough to get our hands dirty, but we dive into heaven enough to have our heart clean. And when we can walk in this combination of bilingual faith, we are people who will reach those who would never darken the door of a church because they're afraid to be judged, and at the same time, there are folks that go to church that all they hear is the language of earth. And they hear uh, uh, messages that have nothing to do with repentance, that never challenge you, that never call you higher. They're just about pleasing the ears. So we call people to repentance. 
We want to walk in holiness. We've got to challenge one another, but it's grace and truth. It's truth and grace in violent embrace. And when we walk that, that tightrope of the faith, we're going to see transformation and new beginnings in people's lives. Number three, just as a reminder, and refresher, so bold engagement, bilingual faith, but this year we want to focus on a value we see in Jesus, and that's building bridges to the broken. This is the devotion for Christ that we express through diving into the brokenness of man. Part of that's bilingual faith, but it expresses itself not just through our speech, but our actions. I love this. Jesus walks into the synagogue and he's about to drop the mic, right? This is a drop the mic moment. There's written in Isaiah many years before Jesus the Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. And this passage is actually written about the Messiah. And it was chosen um, in the law, in the Torah, and by the rabbis, the, the, the passage that would be read for each day. So here comes this rabbi, Jesus, and they happen to have him read on that day. It's not like he was like, hey, let me find this one passage. They actually handed it to him, and this was the assigned reading for the day. And it happened to be the very mission statement of the Christ. Can you imagine? Hey, uh, hey Jesus, this is what we want you to read today. Oh, no problem. Let me read that. This happens to be why I came. And it says this, Then Jesus came to Nazareth. This is Luke 4, 16-21. Where he had been brought up, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. And when he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He uh, returned it to the attendant. He dropped the mic and, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began saying this. This is so powerful. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Come on, can, I, can somebody say wow with me? Can I get a wow up in this house? Listen, this is incredible. He said, y'all been reading it for how many years? And today it's fulfilled. Why? Because I'm here and this is my mission to build bro- bridges to the broken, to heal, to restore, to free, to, 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 to loose those who are bound. And I love this because if we're going to be imitators of Jesus, we have to live out this mission statement, not just in our sermons, not just in our discussions, not just in our intentions. We need to live it out in our actions. You know, I was sitting with a guy not too long ago, maybe eight months ago, and he brought up a story and I forgot about it. But uh, about 13, 14 years ago, he said, this is, uh, this is probably the, the greatest impact that I felt the Lord made on my life. It was through a conversation that I had with you, Dave, um, 13, 14 years ago. And I said, yeah, what was that? I, don't, I, don't, I didn't remember anything. And I, I don't spend much time with this guy. I probably talk to him once a year. And he said, uh, it was a time he was struggling with alcohol and um, you know, young guy going to the bar constantly, getting smashed and trashed and, and uh, he felt just major condemnation. He felt shame. He felt 
like God didn't want to be around him, that God wanted nothing to do with him. And so when you feel like God's rejecting you because of the sin in your life and the mistakes you're making, you don't tend to pursue someone you think will stiff arm you. And so he avoided God because he thought God was avoiding him. And I looked at him, I won't say his name, but I looked at him and I said, let me, let me give you a picture of what Jesus actually feels about you. Look, I know you're drowning your sorrows in a bar and I know that you can't kick this habit and it's kind of running your life right now, but here's honestly what I believe and some of, the, some of you might disagree with this theology, but I, I think, I think uh, we'll call him Joe, okay? Uh, his name isn't Joe. But you know, Joe, I think Jesus, if he was here right now, he'd show up to a bar and he'd sit across the table from you at a bar and he'd have a conversation with you about your life. And he would call out the greatness in you. And he would reaffirm how much he cares about you and how much he loves you. And he would remind you that what you're really looking for is not alcohol or medication. What you're really looking for is identity and belonging in him. He would remind you that he didn't come to condemn you, but he came to free you. He came to set you free. And he would want to deal with your alcoholism. He would want to heal you from it. But he would sit in a bar with you, at a table with you, and he wouldn't judge you, but he would call you into healing. And this guy cried. In fact, he brought it up just around eight months ago, and he was getting teary-eyed. He said, I'll never forget that conversation because it changed the way that I understood God looks at me. And I tell you what, this is kind of bilingual, while building broken bridges to the broken. We want to be a church, a people, that can show up in the drama and the mess of people's lives and say, hey, I'm not looking at the mess. I am looking at the work God wants to do with the mess. Because honestly, the messier a life is in a weird, crazy way, the more beautiful it looks when it's cleaned up. And I love this, that God didn't call us to clean our lives up and then come to him. He said, come to me and I'll clean you up. But here we are as believers, Dave Riesinger in 2021, the Lord is going to send me as his agent of healing brokenness while myself am, being in the, am in the process of being healed of more brokenness in my own life. And so are you. And so we want to build bridges to the broken. And then finally, we want to be a body of diversity. We will be a people who reflect our community and demonstrate the power of Christ who brings unity amongst diversity. You know, this is, this is interesting, and I'll close with this. The Messiah could not come from a diverse background. Now, there's some really cool uh, sermons or, or ministry or lessons, faith lessons, in who was actually included in his family lineage, and there were some outsiders. But when it came to who the Messiah had to be and the strict line he had to come from, um, this is pretty amazing because... If you look at some of what I was considering some of the most boring passages in the scripture, Matthew 1, you know, you want to fall, to, fall asleep, open Matthew 1 and read the, it just doesn't make sense until you realize that they're talking about the validation and the, and the confirmation that Jesus was the Messiah based on mother and father line because it had to be based on um, what the Old Testament and the prophets talk about the Messiah and who he would come from. So yes, it has to start with Abraham. 
It has to be Isaac, not Ishmael. It has to be Jacob, not Esau. It has to be from the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levi, not the tribe of Benjamin or any of the other 12 tribes. It had to be the tribe of Judah. It had to be through Jesse, who was the father of David. And David had to be in his direct line because he would then sit on the throne of David and he would be the greatest king who outshines the the previous greatest king, which was David, who reflected Jesus in so many ways. And so Jesus then is born to this virgin Mary, who's, who, who then marries Joseph. And Joseph and Mary talk about this line, or through them we see this line. But here's the beautiful thing, body of diversity. Through this Jesus, who came from a strict line, he now, by his blood and by his spirit, because he dies and he fulfills and completes that which was needed for the sacrificial lamb to complete, to redeem us. He brings into the family every tribe, every tongue, every nation on earth. He brings from this strict line, which now opens up to every line who would believe on him. And you know what he calls that line or that family or that body? He calls it the church. So we want to reflect that because that's what Jesus came to bring a unity amongst diversity. And if anybody should model the ability to have black and white, Hispanic and Asian and Islander and young and old and rich and poor and those who came from terrible backgrounds and those who came from you know, backgrounds that seem squeaky clean but they're still sinners in need of God's grace, it should be the church that demonstrates the power of Christ to bring unity among diversity. I'm gonna close with this story I was, uh, some years ago, I was in um, uh, Bombay, India. I went to a place called 14 Lanes and I have a book a guy wrote called The Cage. And as I get down there and we're we're driving through this, uh, it it was a center of slavery for so many women. You look up in these hotels or these buildings and you see cages and bars on the window to keep the women from escaping. And they figured there's around 10,000 um, women in prostitution, forced prostitution, and uh, brothels. And uh, it was just a sad scene to see human beings treated with such disregard and, and such, um, in such terrible conditions. And so I had a chance to go speak to a bunch of children who were rescued out of these brothels. So we go to this ministry house and I walk in and we go upstairs and there's this pretty decent sized room and it's filled with all these just lines of bunk beds and there's this open area in the middle and there's all these children, probably ages five to 16, boys and girls. And I sit with an interpreter and I begin to just share with them, you know, talking about Jesus. And all these kids are sitting on the bunk beds and they're just locked in. And, and you know, trying to make them laugh. And it was so precious to watch these kids just light up. And, and uh, these are kids who were chained to beds where their mothers had 10, 20 men rent them all day long. These were babies who were given shots of heroin to make them sleep so mom could do her job. And when mom wasn't worth anything, they would boot her out on the streets to die or try and figure out how to survive by eating trash because she wasn't bringing in the customers anymore. And where would these kids go? They'd either end up in the brothels or they would have to be homeless on their own. So these are kids who had been experienced extreme trauma, extreme trauma. 
who had been just kicked out and who had been minimized and devalued. And I remember it was so random. At the end of this time, I said, you know what's amazing to me? I'm closing up my little talk. What's amazing to me is I fly all the way from the West Coast in the United States and my heart is so full because I finally got to meet family that I never knew before. I have brothers and sisters in India that I'm meeting for the first time. You're my family. And all of a sudden I watched these kids and a bunch of them just start crying. And I, I was like, what, what, what's happening? I, went to the, I turned to the interpreter, I said, why are they crying? I, it didn't make sense to me. And she said, you called them family. And this is something they've always longed for but they've never known. In this culture, in a caste system that calls them outcasts or untouchable, the way they've been treated, not even knowing their mom, being given drugs, they've never known family. And the fact that you come and you say you're family through the blood of Jesus, it moved their hearts, it moved their lives, and that's why they're crying. And it was so incredible to walk in as a guest to giggles and a little awkwardness, and then to walk out hugging kids who had tears in their eyes, smiles on their face, calling me family, family, family in Hindi, in the, in the, in the language they spoke. I'll never forget that moment. We. If we're going to follow Jesus, have to be a body of diversity. And this is the call in 2021. We want to be a people of bold engagement, bilingual faith. We want to build bridges to the broken and be a body of diversity. And if we'll do that, we're going to walk in the new beginning and the fresh living active faith, faith Jesus produces and brings alive in those who mimic or model or imitate him. Hey, I love you. I thank you that you tuned in. If this is going to be a blessing to somebody else, pass it along. And I just want to close by praying for you. God, I pray that my friends watching today will be filled with a love and a life and a freshness in this new year that would bring about the fruitfulness and the joy that only you can bring. We thank you that you set the example for us to follow. Now, may we do it with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.